Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. I am your host, Jordan Porter, joined by the wonderful Yvonne Brandenburg. Anyway, moving on. So this week's episode, obviously we're going to do our housekeeping first, but this week's episode kind of just still goes along with our renal series. But this week we're going to be talking about strange area, like infections, stones, and prostates, just things that cause draining to pee, which blows my mind. So I talked to you about this a little bit, Yvonne, because like I've been seeing an influx of renal cases right now. Dude, I swear to God, like, it's the craziest thing how many renal, weird renal cases I've seen in the last two weeks. I'm like, we started the series and all of a sudden all this weird urinary system just, and, and, and I, and it's probably one of those things where like, you like a specific car, so you see it everywhere thing. But I swear I to know. God, this doesn't seem. <laughs> so just in the past, like twenty-four to forty-eight hours, I had a dog in severe renal failure that became aneuric. She passed away Ugh. overnight, so I I feel bad about that. But she became aneuric. Second one, I have a currently still in the hospital. I have a lepto suspect. This mm. is the only dog that I've ever had that actually like legit like screams lepto, wow. like azotemia that was crazy mind you the azotemia is actually improving the liver values are through the roof and those are getting worse so renal values are improving liver values are getting worse but i'm just like dude we talked about lepto we talked about this and then Mm -hmm. i had a dog come in yesterday with a wicked like prostate nastiness that like looks like it could be cancer but we're not sure yet so we're pending results on that and then like we also had one that had like tcc of the prostate that like we did a braf test but it's been yeah i I was gonna say i had um a female cat with bladder stones that we tried to oh yeah um do you know the the retrohydro propulsion and like try to get them out and and then she blocked so then she had that surgery And then from all the like just trauma of surgery and like the urohydro propulsion and all that stuff, um, she blocked again after surgery. So she had surgery again because they were worried that there was another stone, but it just looked like it was all the trauma. So they left a urinary catheter in after that. And I was just like, what? What? (laughs) Like... (laughs) <laughs> like I can't remember the last time I did a urinary hydropropulsion, let alone all that stuff. And right? then yeah, you know, the the, yeah. the cystotomy the day after, like on a different dog. It was just so crazy. Yeah. It was like, okay. Yeah, we had a we had a walk-in emergency today. Like literally just a guy off the street had a cystotomy done somewhere else and like came to see us because the cat wasn't eating, but like just turns out that like the cat was like dehydrated and nauseous and painful. Mm. But like which thank goodness, because this poor guy, like I felt so bad. He didn't have a lot of money. So we were really just trying, like he just walked in off the street. Like we were just trying to help him mm. out. Um, but I'm like, post-cystotomy, like that's not even an us thing. Right. It's <laughs> like, uh, like, yeah, so crazy. It was, it's been such a weird week. Anyway, 
Moving on to our wonderful reviews that our wonderful listeners oh are still giving goodness. to us. We need to send out more stickers. So I got to get know. some information from we, people. Um, there's a couple of, of reviews that I, we just don't have information on yet. Um, and I have, and then we got a couple stickers. shares on Instagram. <laughs> I need to go send some out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then we had a couple shares on Instagram too. Like people sharing us on their stories and Aww. stuff. So that was pretty cool. Um, so the first review says great content for the love of all things. <laughs> I am. I enjoy this podcast so much. The information is great and Yvonne and Jordan make it look so easy. I recommend to everybody I know. And this is from Amy VTS, which whoosh, because I was like, holy crap, another VTS actually thinks like, oh, we made this look easy and like that she listens to us. <laughs> right? Whew, it worked. Right? <laughs> I know. It's, it's crazy because I don't know about you, but like I re-listen to these episodes while I'm driving and I go, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. I sound really smart. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a good thing I don't retain a lot of this information. I mean, I, I retain some it of it, funny. but not all of it. So don't worry. We make it look <laughs> easy, but we've got notes. <laughs> I, re- I retain the, so we were ultrasounding something and my doctor was like looking at the, um, the kidney and he was like measuring the renal pelvis. And I was like, did you know that cows do not have oh a renal my God. pelvis like dogs and cats do? And he was like, he just stops and he looks at me and he goes, that was the most random <laughs> thing you ever said nice I was like I was like it correlates I was like you're literally measuring the renal pelvis he's like okay and then just like literally just shut me down and went back to ultrasounding I was like okay well I thought it was interesting oh my God, I love <laughs> like, it. that's so funny anyway so the the second review that we had um this was on a different app actually it wasn't on apple so <laughs> thank you if you're reviewing on any other apps um those are hard sometimes for us to find them, but Stephanie um, pointed me towards this one. So it says, uh, love, love, love this podcast. I listened on my way to work and it seems that the topic of the week <laughs> I ended up seeing throughout the week. I believe that's exactly what Jordan and I were just talking about. <laughs> Which is funny because I didn't even read that before we started talking about that. <laughs> right? It, it's just how it works. Um, I've learned so much and I've upped my tech game. Yes. Um, anyone in the veterinary field would benefit from this, no matter what area you were in, uh, is so relatable. And these ladies help make everything click inside the brain. And that's from, um, Stephanie Latimer, I believe is her last name. Um, yeah. So it was really yeah. cool. Air five me, Stephanie. Cause <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God>. Right. <sighs> Preach. <laughs> so crazy. That's funny that that's the review that we put in there and we just talked about that. <laughs> I, was like, I didn't read that. And I put it in there. Yeah, you I was can't like, read it. <laughs> but it's yeah. been a little while since we've been in there. I think it's been three weeks since I made this these notes. So. Yeah. And and jo- by the way, if you guys need to give some props to Jordan right now, she is tackling all the show notes, which I don't know if you guys realize how much time we put in the show notes, but the show notes, it's like mm. research every week, which don't get us wrong. We love it. We do love it because we're we're mm-hmm. geeks like that. But Jordan has been really stepping up and I am super appreciative because um some of you have heard my rants a few times on Facebook that I am not an IT person nor a web designer and that is what I've been spending a majority of my time on the last two three weeks yeah but you're tackling that so I'm just I'm just 
picking up the easy stuff that <laughs> yeah but i know, you know how much time it takes so i i appreciate it it does take I a lot of time it. i appreciate you this was really sweet. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay we'll we'll stop we now. appreciate each other <laughs> it's a good thing we like each other <laughs> right <sighs> all right so moving on we're going to be discussing bladder stones prostates and utis oh my <laughs> See, nice. See what I did there? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, on a side note for this one, it is one hour of continuing education credit. Um, so make sure you, uh, go to our website to find out more information about continuing education, um, credits and certificates and all that stuff, but you can earn some CE while driving or walking around your house or whatever it is that you do while listening to a podcast. So <laughs> yes. So like I said, we're going to talk about three different things and I'm kind of just going to run through all of them like back to back, just kind of through our, like our normal series of like anatomy and physiology, how it might present is actually just general for all three of these. Yeah. So, say they're, they're very um, similar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Treatment's just slightly different. Um, but urinary tract infections or cystitis is bacteria or inflammation within the urinary tract. Oh, that reminds me of something else we saw. Dude, I saw this really bad bladder that like had like a really bad bladder tumor at the apex, so not at the trigone. Oh, wow. But it did come back as TCC. Um, and this was a recheck, actually. The dog's been dealing with this for a year. And I'm like, this dog is so lucky because it's at the apex and not the trigone because it's going to take forever for her to not be able to pee. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to have bladder cancer. <laughs> Have it at the yeah. apex and not at the trigone, because then yep. nothing yep, gets they can control that. <laughs> um, and she was doing great too. Like we were just remeasuring it, and it was a little bit bigger, but again, it was nowhere near the trigone. Nice. So, and then urolithiasis stones or crystals within the urinary tract, um, and then which again, I've seen so many bladder stones this week Same. and like sand, but we've seen a lot of like liver stuff too. So it's a lot of urine mm. stones probably. Um, and then prostatitis can be benign or malignant. So there's benign prostatic hyperplasia and then prostatic inf uh, infections. Um, and that's kind of what I'm going to stick with. I'm not going to get into like the weird cancerous ones. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm strictly just talking inflammation and infection within the prostate. So inflammation, infection within the prostate, within the urinary tract, and then like stones and crystals within the urinary tract. And that can go for the kidneys too, for the stones and crystals. Yeah. Our anatomy and physiology, UTIs and uh, urolithiasis can affect the kidneys, ureters, bladder, prostate, and urethra. Mm -hmm. And then there's actually like specific terms that really can tell you the, like can define the location of the infection or the inflammation. So pyelonephritis is infection inflammation within the kidneys. Ureteritis is inflammation or infection within the ureters, which... I mean, those poor ureters, they always get so much crap. Um, would, cystitis uh, is within the bladder. I would think for uteritis, I don't, I mean, I definitely would see it like passing stones, like causing all that inflammation and everything. I wonder, yeah. um, it'd be but interesting. In my opinion, it always seems like it goes from bladder to kidneys and like, there's not really like the ureters don't ever seem affected as much. Yeah. I was gonna say, I think. I think the only times I've seen them really affected is if there is some sort of blockage. Yeah, stone. You know, whether that's yeah. a mass, a stone, that kind of thing. But um, 
I don't I don't know yeah. if it's if it's can be like by themselves. Yeah, that'd be interesting. And then um urethritis, prostatitis, and vaginitis, urethra, prostate, and vagina. Um and then there's UTIs can affect <laughs> so yeah. all the breeds, all the species, all the ages. Yeah. However, UTIs are definitely more commonly noted in females just due to the uh, the shorter urethra. Like dogs have a longer urethra. It takes a lot more for bacteria to travel all the way up to the bladder mm-hmm. um, well, versus females. I was going to say, it, it can also be anatomy too. We, had, um, we have quite a few of them where they have the hooded vulva um, and then they have vulvoplasty or pieces of plasty where... Yeah, it, it basically just removes the extra skin fold that hangs down and like almost covers mm-hmm. the the vaginal like the opening. opening, and and so bacteria can easily get stuck there, especially if you've got dogs. Because I know some girl dogs that just like basically touch the ground when they go pee, and you're like, can you yeah. get your who out of the dirt? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Zara and Roxy both do that, and it's really annoying because then I have to buy baby wipes, and then I'm wiping their hoo haws while they're like, like after they come in. They're and like, pee. "What? I'm fine." Um, yeah, no. Yeah. So, so that can also be, you know, if if you've got, especially if you've got like a younger dog who keeps getting recurrent UTIs, it could be that you need to look and see, you know, is it is it a confirmation kind of thing where you know they're just going to be more predisposed to it because of how, you know what the folds look like back there. And so, um, you know, that may be something too, to look at if you've got like a recurrent UTI situation that has been properly medically managed, (laughs) you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, and then in cats, UTIs are typically more commonly noted in patients over the age of 10, Mm -hmm. um, which I find interesting. Dogs can get UTIs literally from like the moment they're born <laughs> until like the moment they die. <laughs> and then cats are like, no, we're just going to wait until we're old and like more decrepit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Before we battle a UTI. Um, however, I'm not going to discuss fluted anything in cats right now because we have an episode coming yeah, up. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <clears throat> a good one too. Let oh. me tell you, you guys are in for a treat. <laughs> and then um, I, urolithiasis so we i'm going to talk about like the three most common stones that we see so struvites calcium oxalate and then urate stones um struvite stones first commonly occur in female dogs and usually tend to result or be a result of like a urinary tract infection Mm -hmm. in dogs um however they can occur in feline patients as well but it is not a result of infection Mm -hmm. um because cats can do whatever the hell they want. <laughs> they're like, nope, we're just, we're just going to make yeah. them. <laughs> like, they're just there. Most common breeds tend to be... Mini Schnauzers, Lhasa Apsos, Bichon yeah. Frise, the mixed breeds. <laughs> so any kind of dog. That's... <laughs> Mini people, Cocker Spaniels, and Cheetos. Which is funny because it's... Do you like my Yeah, list? they're like all the little dogs, which... They're the ones that end up with like urinary tract infections, I feel like. And I think that's, they're close oh, yeah. to the ground. I'm, a, I'm actually like pretty impressed though that labs aren't on here. You know how many labs I've seen where they're like vulvas are just like 
Yeah. yeah, but I see. And like, yes, and and I think they get. I guess I just don't see stones don't as much. Stones, I think. Yeah, that's and it, true. and it could be a matter, just, and this could be an anatomy thing where, you know, if the store the the stones do form, it could be that their urethras are big enough that while they're small stones, they can probably just pass them out. Versus, like, if we're talking little dogs, that's true. Stones don't need to get very big to get stuck and not be able to come out. So no. that could be why we see more stones in smaller dogs that yeah. have infections. Yeah. They can't go anywhere. Like, Oops, too big now. <laughs> yeah. And then our calcium oxalate stones are actually more commonly seen in neutered male dogs. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. So Right? Like, I mean, like, it sucks because the more I learn about, like, neutering a dog, I'm like, so neutering them younger actually doesn't prevent prostate cancer, and they can get calcium oxalate stones, and (laughs) there's pros and cons on both sides, right? (laughs) I mean, I definitely don't want my dog marking stuff or being aggressive. Or having babies. And I don't, (laughs) yeah, that big one, (laughs) or just frankly seeing his testicles between his legs. I just, I'm not a fan Mm -hmm. of. So anyway, calcium oxalates. um, Also our overweight patients tend to be at a higher risk of developing calcium oxalate Mm -hmm. stones. And then the common breeds for these are also a mini schnauzer, chihuahuas, mini poodles, Maltese, Karen terriers, Pomeranians, Shih Tzus, Bichons, Yorkies, and Las Mm -hmm. Opsas. Small breed dogs. Small breed fat dogs. Yeah. (laughs) Who are neutered. Yeah. I feel, yeah, I feel like the little guys constantly are the ones having cystotomies. I've definitely <laughs> seen, like, probably a million, like, fat chihuahuas right. <laughs> having cystotomies. Yeah. And schnauzers. Yeah, I feel like schnauzers are, they like always the get poster them. child for them. Right? And then our urate stones tend to be seen more in our young to middle-aged dogs. They definitely occur more often in our males than females and Dalmatians and English Bulldogs are seen more commonly. Mm. So it's thought to be that, well, I know it's a thing where severe liver disease patients um, can develop these stones. And I'll talk about a little bit more. This is why I made a comment about my liver disease patients. I seeing stones in the bladder, but it's never been mentioned Mm -hmm. in the previous record. Um, And then it's seen with our patients with portosystemic systemic Mm -hmm. shunts definitely tend to be at higher risk which again i saw a shunt today Mm. shunt doggy he he had a stone in his bladder (laughs) and we did a bio acid (laughs) yeah and um i think with dalmatians if i remember correctly they is it that they're lacking an enzyme that yes i talked about that in a little while yay i remembered something from yeah how exciting (laughs) yeah they're so, and then our prostatic diseases, so benign prostatic hyperplasia or BPH um, occurs in older intact male dogs. It's super common. It's benign. Yeah. It's annoying for the dog. Yeah, and the, and the nice thing is that as long as there's not an infection present, right? Like if, if you have an infection, you need to treat the infection. If there's no infection present, BPH, you can actually reverse it by neutering them mm-hmm. by <laughs> neutering like, because bph is not it's not an infection it's not inflammation it's just basically a large prostate like the it, it shouldn't be painful and again i'll talk about it mm-hmm. a little bit more um versus prostatitis 
acute prostatitis is very, very rare. Um, chronic is often found in patients. I think because people aren't noticing like an acute episode of prostatitis that just like mm. kind of comes and goes. Um, so chronic is more often found and it's found in patients with BPH. So when their prostates get large and makes it difficult for dogs to urinate, everything kind of gets yeah. angry and, or the bladder, the urine can't empty out as effectively as it normally would. So then you can kind of cause inflammation. Yeah. And, stuff and I think too. it's good to remember anatomy when we're talking about the prostate, right? Because the, the urethra passes through the prostate. So if it's inflamed, it's just going to scrunch down on that urethra and make it so you can't, can't urinate. Um, or you go frequently cause you're only getting small amounts out. So yeah, so your urethra is really going to get angry, which then in turn, like in that area, makes your prostate mm-hmm. angry and inflamed versus benign product, prostatic hyperplasia. It's not inflammation, it's just enlargement. Mm-hmm. And then our prostatic infections is what it says it is it's a prostatic yeah. infection. <laughs> um, and this tends to occur in male patients with recurrent UTIs of the same organism. Mm-hmm. So these are those dogs who don't finish out their antibiotics and fully clear their UTI. Or they're um, on the wrong that, antibiotics that to begin with, right? So we've definitely yep. seen patients where um, they've been prescribed an antibiotic that should work with whatever's going on, but it wasn't necessarily cultured. And so mm-hmm. we don't realize that it's not the correct antibiotic. The other thing too is you know, you need to have an antibiotic that will penetrate into the prostate. Not all antibiotics do Mm -hmm. that. So if you have an animal that has prostate infections, you know, the doctor needs to make sure to pick the correct antibiotic for the job. Otherwise it doesn't clear. (laughs) And then you're still having problems. And if these dogs are, and if these dogs are getting like recurrent UTIs of the same organism, that organism is just going to thrive in these environments and really just kind of seep through into the prostate. And that's how it develops a prostatic Mm -hmm. infection. Um, because it's basically just like throwing a party in the bladder and it's like, let's go down (laughs) the road to the prostate. (laughs) You like that one? That was a good one. (laughs) Let's go to the prostate. House party. (laughs) Exactly. If I could come up with like a great like frat name that included prostate, I would, but I'm only half clever. <laughs> Alpha beta urate. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? It's like that horn, like the party horn, like wah, wah, exactly. wah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> We just lost a bunch of listeners again. <laughs> They're like, oh god. It's late, guys. My brain's not working. I'm recording this on a Friday night after work at what time is it? It's 10 15. <laughs> it's not that late for me, guys. <laughs> she hates me. Um, anyway, what's happening? <laughs> um, the history of these patients tend to be um, this goes for all the patients bladder stones, prostatic diseases, and UTIs. So, polykiuria, we talked about some of our medical terms here. So polykiuria, polyuria, polydipsia, strangeuria, hematuria, oliuria, dysuria, leaking of urine, excessive grooming and licking, lethargy, decreased appetite, nauseousness, malodorous urine, and inappropriate urination. So we have polykiuria, remember, is like our frequent urination. Mm -hmm. 
Um, polyuria is increased in urination. Polydipsia is increased in drinking. Because I don't know. I'm sure some of our listeners have probably had a UTI, and I know. I well, like to drink yeah, as they say, your body's like <laughs> trying to flush it out. It's trying to diurese it, so it it's just like yep. get it out as much as you can. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then of course, anuria, if there's obstruction, lethargy and vomiting is also possible. If mm-hmm. like there's a, a distended abdomen, like mm-hmm. a bladder rupture, like the really bad stuff. Um, bladder ruptures are no fun. Dude, they're so scary and, and like, super painful. Sad and... Euroabdomen's not good. No, I mean like urine's not supposed to be no, outside the bladder. <laughs> well, in the abdomen. It's very acidic and very, um, yeah. uh, uh, irritating to the abdomen. I, s- I saw a Jack Russell once who had a urethral tear. And the crazy thing is, is this dog was virtually asymptomatic except for that his urine stream was just mm. weird. <laughs> like, and he had like a little bit of blood mm. in his urine. Um, and then when we, when he came in, we took x-rays and his bladder looked like normal because it was a urethral tear. So it was like just slowly dripping into the abdominal cavity um and we caught it like actually fairly early so what we ended up doing was placing a ucath and then like injecting contrast up there and you could see leaking out you could see exactly where the tear was like it was really cool and it blows my mind that this dog was like yeah i'm cool i'm a jack russell like my penis kind of hurts but like it's not (laughs) like you know he was i think his symptoms were just like licking a lot and like he had a abnormal urine stream but he originally so the urethral tear actually happened from someone trying to catheterize him because he was originally straining to urinate mm. and then like after the ucath like he was able to urinate but it was very difficult so the guy kept bringing it back thinking like well i think there's a stone or something but it turns out it was like torn when he had a Oof, ucath put in. Jeez. but this like this jack russell was like happy as could be it blew yeah. my mind it amazes me sometimes like how some animals are just like nah my my arm's broken and backwards. It's fine. And then there's others. You look at them funny, and you touch touch huskies. them, and they're like, ah, yes, huskies, exactly. Yeah, you you touch their feet, and they're like, no, they're like, oh my God, the sky is falling. You're like, that yeah, no, it's not. Yeah. Um. All right. So our urinary tract infections they most commonly arise from an organism or multiple organisms going up into the urinary tract from the skin or the surrounding tissues. So that's kind of where we were talking about the vulva. Um, Bacteria is most common, but fungus and viruses can also cause infections. That would Um, suck. (laughs) I've seen prototheca once in the urine, but that was systemic and just happened to be shed in the urine. But that was a really cool case, and it was really cool to find in the urine. Sounds horrible. I would imagine... (sighs) I don't know. I would imagine like fungus would have to be like a systemic and shed or like a foreign body. Right. That's yeah. I mean, like, but but I, mean, I know I've looked at urine samples that obviously like don't cause symptoms, but I've found like pollen mm-hmm, in the urine, mm-hmm. like, but it's, it's not the no, same. No. Yeah. I don't think I've, I've seen fungus specifically. Oh, But anyway, so roughly 70% of UTIs, though, are actually caused by a single organism. And the most common organism is E. coli, which is a gram-negative bacteria. The poop. 
Yup, because females, you know, their mm-hmm. parts are close together. So, I mean, I have one dog who, like, will poop and pee at the same time. When she's in a rush. Like, you, like your she has personal to dog? Do. <laughs> yeah, Dolce does it. Okay. Weirdo. I've literally never seen it. Well, you met Dolce, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I met your dogs. They're, they're, they're weirdos. <laughs> Yep, they're all they're all special in their right. own way. Um, so the common gram positive bacteria include Staphylococcus, Streptococcus, and Enterococcus. Um, which I mean, I do really like doing urine sediments, but I think that's just because I'm good at them. <laughs> like I used to not be good at them, so I used to not like doing them. I was gonna say it's because you're a weirdo. Well, so that's cool. We've already determined this, I think. <laughs> Especially tonight. <Yeah. laughs> Um, yeah, sometimes these organisms, they actually have the ability to overcome the host's natural defenses. And these natural defenses actually include concentrated like acidic urine, normal bacteria populations within the urinary tract, urinary volumes, um, antibacterial secretions within the urinary tract. These are called defensins. And then um, the simple thing of just completely emptying their bladder. Yeah, I was gonna say, if you've got like a patient who um you know like on mm-hmm. incurin or one of those other ones because they have bladder leaking and and they may not completely empty their bladder every single time um and so what happens is like a little pool of urine just stays in there and that's just like a little breeding ground for um mm-hmm. for bacteria so that's that can definitely be an issue um, and that's also, you know, if you've got, um, the other one that's kind of common with that is if you have like a back mm-hmm. dog or a back cat, mostly it's dogs, um, and, and they can't empty their bladder normally, um, because of mm-hmm. nerve damage, right. And you have to express their bladder, um, or anything like that, 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 that can definitely predispose them to. Oh, for sure. And a lot of these patients that do, we do try to help like populate the bladder with like good bacteria. So we use a lot of like D-mannose and stuff like that. It's one of those like kind of catch 22s. You just want to really prevent a UTI versus always treating a UTI. (laughs) So. Yeah. And I, and I know my doctor, she, um, it's one of those things where if they're not having clinical symptoms and clinical signs of a urinary tract infection. And let's say we do a urinalysis and there's bacteria in there and it's not like a crazy raging UTI. Um, sometimes we just monitor and, and don't actually treat with antibiotics. Mm -hmm. Um, because if they're not having clinical symptoms, you know, we don't, it's one of those if you treat with antibiotics, you could potentially make something resistant, especially, you know, you've got that bacteria that's, it's growing, but it's not causing problems. So we don't Mm -hmm. always treat it. There is a bacteria though, that I know we've cultured before that like, doesn't actually produce, I mean, like it's not a treatable bacteria. And we have one patient who constantly has that bacteria and the owners always want to treat it. And we're like, no, like your dog's asymptomatic. Um, because it's just, it comes from the skin. I think this dog had a PU, I think it's like an enterococcus, but again, it's not like a, 
it was like a normal bacteria just mm. overgrowth like yeah so i know that can happen um yeah and then utis can actually either be complicated or uncomplicated mm-hmm. just like women <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uncomplicated UTIs occur in patients that have like a normal structural and functional and neurologic abilities. So mm-hmm. a, your normal everyday dog. Um, these are typically well treated with usually like a 14 day course of an appropriate antibiotic keyword is an appropriate because mm-hmm. it is important to culture these just to make sure that we are treating with the right thing. Because yes, um, and 70% then, of them are going to probably be treated with one type of antibiotic, but yep. You want to make sure you're treating it appropriately. And uh, I don't know how you feel about this, but the in-house like cultures. Study view? I don't know. No, no. The in-house cultures. Oh, I don't have those. I've never used one. Yeah. We have, there's a, around us, there's a couple of clinics that they do in-house cultures and especially for your recurrent UTIs we don't recommend it. We recommend sending it to a lab um, because they can do the culture and sensitivity and there's just all sorts, but mm-hmm. yeah, we have a couple of them that they'll do it and then they come to us and we're like, well, we're not going to do an in-house culture. We're sending it out to the lab and treating it and, and figuring out, you know, what's it sensitive to what's going on. Cause unfortunately, yeah. you know, as much as we hope that there's no cross contamination in house, it's just best if it's in a lab. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's just a clean lab where there's not dogs walking by. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So that's a soapbox. I'll get off of it at the moment. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) Um, So signs of these infections usually improve within the first couple days of starting antibiotics with our uncomplicated UTIs, but (sighs) this is a soapbox. Make sure clients do not do not stop antibiotics due to resolve symptoms. Oh my God, like, this kills me I have when they so do that. many people call. Well, even especially fine. Because- so, you know, we just took them off the antibiotics. Cool. Now you're making a super bug. Awesome. Thanks. Right. Well, that, or like you get the phone call, well, like he just didn't like it or I couldn't get it in or he wasn't eating as well or he vomited maybe the one time. And, like, and it's I'm been like, three or four days and now he's having issues again. And you're like, cool put them back on the antibiotic and now we're gonna have to do or, a longer course because you probably or, just made it so it doesn't work anymore awesome when they when they start the antibiotics they stop it after about three days and then the symptoms come back a week later and then so they start the rest of the antibiotics mm. and then they just keep it on hand oh my god i love it you know yeah i know you know what i'm talking about Oh girl, I think everybody out there knows what we're talking about. Right? We got Follow we got doctors' directions. <laughs> we got people in their cars going like, "I know." <laughs> Every dang time. Yeah. And then our complicated UTIs Ugh. will occur in patients that have an underlying disease process that makes them more susceptible to infection. So honestly, I mean, complicated UTIs are more what we see. I was I think, say, because and I am, it's a hundred percent complicated UTIs. We don't see the normal healthy dog UTI. No, <laughs> like, if we do, it's, it's secondary to something, which yeah. makes it a and complicated I, and, UTI. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there. And the common, the common underlying disease processes that are included would be diabetes mellitus, Cushing's disease, those are the two big ones, I swear. And then chronic mm-hmm. kidney disease. 
Um, intact dogs are also more susceptible to complicated UTIs. And then, the <laughs> yep. And then generally they do require a longer duration of antibiotic therapy, usually about four to six weeks. And yeah. then sometimes multiple antibiotics are actually necessary. <laughs> oh, okay. Here's my other soapbox. Especially <laughs> if you have a complicated UTI, it's four to six weeks. And then before coming off antibiotics, you need you have to culture, you have to culture the urine, right? Like and a then, week before, like, like, mm-hmm. and then once you've cultured the urine and it's clear, my doctors do one to two weeks after of that yeah. of more antibiotics, right? So you do one to two weeks afterwards of antibiotics and then one to two weeks being off of antibiotics, then you're culturing the urine again to make sure nothing's growing. So you should, in theory, gold standard best practices for a complicated UTI, it's three urine cultures. Yes. Three. Yeah. Not one, but three. (laughs) Clients hate it too. Uh, And I'm like, I I try to explain it to them. It's not cheap. It's not a cheap way to do it. Definitely not. Especially not an IM. Like, it's like... No. sorry our prices are higher and like i i mean mind you i'll tell people like go back to regular vet and do it but just do it just please do it. <laughs> well and like sometimes we'll even do we'll do like a tech appointment where they just come in we get the urine and we do the sample so they don't have to pay for like a full recheck yeah um but yeah definitely definitely do your culture sensitivities yeah and then super infections can occur when patients Ooh. on antibiotics become infected with a different organism. So they're being treated for, say, like E. coli and only E. coli. And then they get another bug while they're being treated for this. And it's, it's susceptible like, to other stuff. And you're just like, yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. And I've this, had a couple. That can actually... That can actually occur in patients with indwelling urinary catheters. They are more at risk for super infections, which is why, man, like this one's a soapbox for me. Like don't place a urinary catheter if you don't have to. Yeah. Like we also don't need to be catheterizing to obtain urine if we don't have to. Like, ugh, the catheterizing because for urine. I, if that. Literally the only I time I catheterize. for it, I don't yeah. do it. We did one yesterday because we were trying to do traumatic catheterization of the prostate. Yeah. Or so, like you have a patient that maybe, you know, is a bleeding risk or. Uh, we do so many free catches though. Like it's like, we understand yeah. that that's not gold standard for culture, but like you're going, the risk of introducing a bacteria mm-hmm. when doing a urinary catheterization like that. And like, again, with indwelling urinary catheters, there's, it's so often where they're just not maintained properly. Yeah. And like, that's why you're increasing the risk for super infections. Like you have your bag laying on the dirty floor mm-hmm. um, or like you're not keeping the, the line clean when you dump the bag full of urine or you're not changing out your bags. And so your old, four hour six hour urine is just chilling there in the bag right sitting there yep just like willy-nilly going back up and down in the line oh yeah. i can't i can't do unnecessary urinary catheterization yeah yeah as much as yeah. it's frustrating when a male dog just won't pee and i'm like man i could just slide a catheter up there get it i usually i mean 90 
99% of my urinary samples are cystos. Um, yeah, see, I don't I, do it if there's a worry about TCC because you don't want to like seed the mm -hmm. abdomen, right? Um, I don't do it if there's if there's bleeding issues or mm -hmm. if the patient is too dang squirmy. <laughs> yeah. Like, cool, I don't want to rip your bladder. Let's not do yeah. that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the super infections. Those, uh, that's a, those that's, are the, those ones suck. <laughs> that's a, the, the, the urinary catheter is a touchy subject for me. Trust me. I love placing UCATs. Like I mm -hmm. love it. There's a place for them. There is, but we also, I so hate when they're not done right, we have two different ladles or two mm -hmm. different kinds of ladles at my clinic. Yeah. Us too. One, we have like the soup ladle that's plastic that we use uh -huh. for like Oh, uh, we just need a USG and we'll use that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. We have our stainless steel, like fancy mm -hmm. looking ladle that we autoclave um, for sterile catches. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's a long like soup ladle, but it's, yeah, it's metal and we can sterilize it. Yeah, exactly. Um, bladder stones usually result from super saturation of the urine with a crystalline component or stone forming substances. Ooh. Yep. That, <laughs> that that's sounds what happens. Form, that sounds very formal. <laughs> uh -huh. So <laughs> the bladder does tend to be the most common site of stone formation, just due to urine being stored there for long periods of time. So it's just sitting there. It allows the urine to have a chance to form with these different components. Yeah. Um, and it just it allows for more time for that to interact so the higher concentration though of the stone components added with longer contact time with each other obviously increases the risk of stone formation yep. so i mean like i have a dog who she can hold her pee for oh, 14 hours she yeah. is, she's good but i'm like man your urine just chilling in your bladder for 14 hours <laughs> like yeah, I had a cat, you know? the same thing. He would pee like twice a day. And I'm like, can you pee more often, please? Um, yeah, and he was, he was, he was like predisposed to like stones and crystals and stuff. And I'm just like, just go pee. It's fine. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, stones usually form around anitis. Um, this, this can consist of bacteria, crystals, white blood cells, or an organic matrix. I don't know what that is, but stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is, I mean, if you've ever seen, um, have you seen like a, a stone that's either been cut in half, like a large stone? Yeah, cut it's in so half, cool. Or um, also, I've seen them where it sounds horrible, but it's like after cremation. And you can oh, kind of see seem like you can see the different layers in there. Like it's it's kind of a trip. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's weird, but cool. Yeah. Yeah. And this is like when we have our stone analysis done. So the nidus can actually be different mm -hmm. than the outer crystal layer layer. And like when you have your stone analysis done, this evaluates that it, it tests like what the middle of the stone is and tests what the outer layer of the stone is. Yep. Um, just so you can better manage it. Mm -hmm. um, diet, genetics, medications, UTIs, and frequency of urination can contribute to stone formation. And then many of these patients with concentrated urine can form crystals, but only a few of those that form crystals actually form true stones, yeah. which I found very interesting.
Because I, there's so many diets out there that the moment you see crystals on a urinalysis, I remember in GB, GP, the moment we saw crystals, like people would automatically put them on a diet to, to prevent stones. stones. Which is, You're like, yeah, mm. which is great. But like, I'm like, uh, my own dog has chronic crystals, but it doesn't cause her any problems. Yeah. And I've learned to just stop checking her urine because I'm like, whatever. And when she starts peeing in the house is when I check it. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> um, and I, I x-ray her probably once a year just to look for stones, but literally nothing's ever even occurred from it. Mm. Um, our struvite stones are formed of magnesium, ammonium, phosphate, and small amounts of calcium phosphate. And again, this is typically a result of UTIs in, in dogs. So bacteria can be incorporated into the stones as it grows, which... So the bacteria like is part of the nidus. Yep. Which, I mean, then, this is, that's part of the reason why um, we have, we have a couple of patients where um, we'll see little tiny stones, but we'll also see like polyps. And so we'll yeah. put them on antibiotics and um, a diet. And then we continue both diet and the antibiotics until we see resolution of the polyps, of the stones and everything else like that. Um, yeah. Because we want to get because again, <laughs> if the stone's present, like the, the bacteria will stick to the stones. And so until you get mm -hmm. rid of the stones, you may not fully clear the infection. So it's really important to remember that. Yeah. That and like recurrent UTIs are common with these stones because of what you said. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's like such a vicious cycle. So the UTIs cause the stone and then the stone causes more UTIs. Well, the bacteria is like, I need to live. <laughs> So. <laughs> and I'm the weird one. <laughs> I know, right? And then the cool thing about, so the cool thing about struvites, and this is part of the reason why, you know, Jordan just said that she does x-rays is that they are radio opaque. Um, so mm -hmm. we can see them on x-rays. And, and I know I've seen a couple of those x-rays where there's just giant stones that take up like half of an animal's abdomen. And you're like, that's why they're having trouble being. Right. <laughs> That, that blows my mind when a dog, like, you see an x-ray. Like, I've seen it on a lot of the, like, Facebook pages mm -hmm. where, like, dogs will have, like, legit, like, 50 stones in their bladder. And, like, they just started showing symptoms a week ago. I'm like, dude, there's no way. And it's always a schnauzer. <laughs> like, it's always a schnauzer. Um, these often can conform to the shape of the urinary tract where they're lodged, and they tend to be smooth. This is mostly what I'm seeing when I'm, I see x-rays and then you yep. see like the post cystotomy pictures. Like it's like a it's nice the size smooth... of their hand. Yeah. But it has, yeah, it like forms like a weird roundish triangle shape <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. versus like a nice round stone. Yep. Um, but there are dissolution diets that includes Hills SD for canines and felines, Royal Canin urinary SO for canines Purina, U-R-S-T-O-X, and then Royal Canin Feline Dissolution for felines, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and I um, think, um, like, Hills has their Socks Shield now, and then mm -hmm. the Royal Canin has their SO Index. So you yes. can, you know, because sometimes our animals have other things going on as well. Um, what? Right. Uh, like, especially like IBD kids. Um, mm -hmm. and so some of the, some of the eliminate ingredient diets or high, um, 
hydrolyzed proteins, you can get um, like the SO index and stuff like that on it. So um, mm -hmm. you just kind of have to look and see which ones are going to work for whatever, you know, stone you're dealing with or crystals. So. Yeah. And then our calcium oxalate stones, those are mostly formed of calcium and oxalate, right? Mind blowing. <laughs> I know everybody was a little unsure. Um, and then some amounts of calcium phosphate. They do not form as a result of bacterial infections. They are also radiopaque on x-ray. So that means that you can see them. Mm. Um, however, for calcium oxalate stones, there are no dissolution diets available. There's just prevent them from getting bigger diets. <laughs> Yep. Or and if those, they've had a cystotomy to get them removed, prevent them, them for on. new ones forming. Yeah. Um, so the prevention diets are Hills, UD, and Royal Canin SO for canines. And then for felines, Hills CD, IMS, urinary, O moderate, PHO. I've literally wow. never heard of that diet. Um, yeah. It's a mouthful. <laughs> um, Purina, U-R-S-T-O-X. And then, which is true by ox, I got it. And then Royal Canin oh. SO um, can also prevent in felines. Yeah. And one thing I'll say about um, uh, the urinary SO versus some of the other diets, um, it's a good thing to warn clients that when using the urinary SO, they're probably going to drink more and urinate more because yes. that's how the diet works is it, it makes them drink more to urinate more to help dilute things out. Um, so that's mm -hmm. just something to kind of keep in mind so that owners aren't freaking out that all of a sudden their animals are PUPD. And there's also the moderate calorie version of the food. So if you have an overweight pet, um, we usually don't put them on the normal SO because that'll make them even worse. Yeah. And then <laughs> ready for this. It's super important to really be sure that your clients are aware that they cannot feed anything oh. else with these diets. Oh my God. Right? Legit. Like, so the, the, these diets I feed are urinary SO and friskies. Oh, and I'm like, cool. God, yeah. you're wasting your money. I know. That's <laughs> that's the thing that I think people just don't get is as soon as you start mixing in treats or other foods, you're you're basically throwing the money in the garbage because these diets are expensive. We're not gonna lie. They're they're more expensive than your over-the-counter foods because they're prescription diets. But as soon as you start adding other things in, you change the pH, you change your concentration of your minerals, you change all the stuff that those diets were supposed to help with. So it's really important for us to have conversations with clients and be like, okay, this is your prescription diet. It's very important. Nothing else for, for now until we get rid of these stones and then in the future, we may be able to add some stuff in, but you're at risk of forming new stones. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, clients. Yeah, I tried to keep that rant short. <laughs> no. Our, yeah, our urate stones are composed of uric acid and ammonium urate. Again, mind blowing, right? Like it's. <laughs> Um, uric acid is one of the final breakdown products of purine metabolism though. Mm. And then, um, these stones tend to have a greenish hue, which they do. It's actually really cool. Looking. Um, however, these them. ones are radio. Oh, I've 
seen, I think I've only seen it like once after cystotomy. Mm. Um, these are radiolucent, so they are not seen on abdominal radiographs. So they are nope. not seen with x-ray. They can be seen with ultrasound sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then genetic defects. So in Dalmatians and, well, definitely it's been identified in Dalmatians, but it's suspected in English Bulldogs that it they think that these stones form due to a genetic defect of urate metabolism. So that's what you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the liver disease patients, they're just unable to convert ammonia to urea and then uric acid, um, which leads to higher levels of these substances within the urine, which leads to urate stone formation. Yeah. It, I mean, that's like anytime you have a high concentration of something, you're at risk of forming stones with that. I mean, yeah. it makes sense. You have more of it, you're, you're higher risk. So, yeah. And then, so there are diets that are used to promote dissolution and prevent urate stones from forming. Um, they're, they're geared towards promoting like just an alkaline urine versus an acidic urine. There's no commercial diets available, but what they're looking for is ultra low protein content and low purine protein sources, um, such as like milk and egg based proteins. Yeah. And I think we usually, um, recommend like a nutritionist be involved with these guys and for sure like above my pay grade (laughs) and get them like a specific diet, whether that's homemade or, um, you know, they can find a specific one, but like having an either a VTS nutritionist, or excuse me, a VTS in nutrition or a veterinary nutritionist is is really important. And that is not the same as the person trained in a pet store. I think we've said that a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, our prostatic diseases. Um, so our BPH, benign prostatic hyperplasia, again, most commonly, um, the, it's the most common abnormality in older intact male dogs. It, the prostate gradually enlarges over time just due to constant hormone influxes. So that's why we say that generally you can actually correct this by neutering the pet. Mm-hmm. Mind you, it's not going to be instant. It's going to take a couple weeks, but, um, this can lead to the formation of cysts and fluid within the prostate though, too, with these constant like hormone levels just being so high. Um, typically on like palpation or ultrasound, the prostate's just symmetrically enlarged. Mm-hmm. It's not painful. It tends not to cause like significant clinical signs unless it becomes infected. Yeah. Um, so this is just one of those things where you might see like the start stoppy urine Mm-hmm. but it, the dogs aren't really straining to pee. There's no blood. They're not uncomfortable. They're not licking a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not painful on rectal palpation. They're just, it's nice and smooth and even on both sides. It's just large. Um, prostatitis is the second most common prostatic disorder. Again, because if you're thinking that prostatitis occurs a lot in conjunction with benign prostatic hyperplasia and benign prostatic hyperplasia is the most common prostatitis is going to be a nice runner up for it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then the chronic prostatitis is more common than the acute prostatitis. And again, often found with BPH, but this tends to be normal to large prostates. So you can have a normal sized prostate with prostatitis, Mm -hmm. but it tends to be painful. So on the rectal palpation, when, I mean, I don't know of a tech who really does that rectal palpation, but if your doctor is doing it and the dog well, starts squirming or say, screaming. They, they might be doing it if you're doing anal glands. 
all right well yeah yeah so. but i'm saying like specifically to feel for this oh yeah specifically <laughs> like, feel for it no but um like but if all of a sudden you know you have a patient that comes in constantly for anal gland expression and they're they're just really fighting you now um and you know you might want to just tell the doctor that like they're normally fine but now they're really fighting for it or or they screamed out in pain yeah or they scream out in pain or some i've had some of them where i just do a temperature and they scream out in pain which and and normally they don't do that so you know that's just something to kind of keep in mind that it could be that they're painful because their prostate's right there so yeah and again prostatitis is more the inflammation of the prostate not an infection of the prostate mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so prostate uh prostate infections tend to occur from bacteria going up the urethra again mostly due to e coli and recurrent utis in male patients are, are usually a potential cause for this um and like yvonne said earlier it's super important that when you have a prostatic infection you need an antibiotic that crosses that blood prostate barrier in order to eliminate this infection and it's usually a long course of uh, this antibiotic as well. Yeah. And I was going to say, I think just to throw it out there, it's, it's enrofloxacin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so clavamox or amoxiclav is like kind of the more common antibiotic we use for UTIs in general, mm -hmm. but it does not um, actually penetrate the prostate. So that's just something to kind of keep in mind. Um, and so you might be like, why are we on enrofloxacin? And then, but that crosses the, the blood prostate barrier. So, um, that mm -hmm. is why. <laughs> Diagnostic tools that we use, we kind of discussed it already. Um, radiography. So ultrasonography, um, we do contrast studies sometimes in this. So there's several different types of contrast studies that you can mm -hmm. do. I'm not going to go into crazy detail, but you can inject or infused contrast up into the bladder yeah that, that's that's um, that's especially important like you were saying for like a urethral tear or a bladder tear yeah. or something like that where you want to just check to see if it's intact still um so yeah that's, we've given iv contrast to look for ectopic ureters mm -hmm. but that's again iv contrast you can do air up into the bladder um you can do half air half contrast and you can get like a interesting view um mm -hmm. <laughs> And then your analysis is, oh, we've talked about this. Yep. It's, it's, it's key. <laughs> um, free catch. We do a lot of free catches at our practice. So we do a midstream collection just to reduce bacterial contamination from the normal flora. Um, urinary catheterization. I hate that I like this is even on the list, but it's easy and straightforward in male dogs, which is why it gets done so often. Mm -hmm. Sedation is needed for female dogs and cats. But again, you increase the risk of creating UTI from catheterization. That risk is higher in females than males. Um, and then you increase the risk of hematuria also if proper technique is not utilized. And then it is recommended to discard the first few mils of a sample to reduce the risk of contamination showing up on the results, yep. which I... I mean, maybe I'm just being like a little negative, but I don't think a lot of people do that when they get like their urinary catheterization sample. I, I think they just draw it out and then squirt it in a tube. Yep. I think that's exactly what it is. Um, and, and it's kind of like that midstream catch thing too, right? You just want to get rid of, it's exactly the same. you want to get rid of like the bad stuff and then, yeah. Um, it, and yeah. it's funny because I'm horrible at free catches. 
I am so good at oh my God. but that's because I do it all the time. I'm worse. My patients will step in the spoon. They will kick it. I will catch poop. Like it's just, it's not a good situation. If I'm trying to do free <laughs> catches, I will hold the animals. Somebody else can free catch. <laughs> um, cystocentesis is gold standard when urine culture is required. Mm-hmm. Um, Yvonne kind of already went over the contraindications, but Patients with coagulopathy, pyoderma, or devitalized bladder, like from TCC, or an uncooperative patient. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can get contamination, like hematuria contamination in this too. Mm-hmm. Like if you just happen to hit like a skin bleeder or that nice big vessel that runs right next to the penis, don't hit that. <laughs> yeah. um, or if you go too far and you hit the aorta, don't Ooh. do that either. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, that can happen. I've, I've you get like a syringe full of blood it. instead. It's not good. <laughs> It wasn't me, but I've seen it. um, Client communication. We've touched on this a little bit this episode. Ah. Do not (laughs) stop antibiotics because the pet is better. Do not start leftover (sighs) antibiotics if this pet starts re-showing symptoms. I'm going to try not, I'm just, we're just going to leave it at that. You have already heard our rant. I was going to say, we're we're not ranting at you. We're ranting at clients. (laughs) Well, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. I'm sure everybody listening is going, God, yes. Like, <laughs> right. So if only we could just shake clients and be like, stop doing that. Right. Um, <laughs> cautions. So it's not recommended to cysto patients that have suspected neoplasia, um, just due to the risk of seeding, devitalization of the bladder itself. Again, if there's a lot of disease of the bladder and you poke into it and the dog just like barely moves or. Well, and I, I think we didn't touch on this part of it with when you're talking about devitalized bladder is if you have an obstructed pet and oh, the yeah, bladder's yeah. giant, the the doctors need to be extremely careful if they're doing a cystocentesis to like relieve the bladder because that, that needle going in, think of it as like a balloon, right? You stick a needle in and this is why it's really important if you're doing that, that you're sticking from cranial to caudal, right? And you're in an angle. So as the, as the bladder gets smaller, it just like slides off of the needle instead of facing, you know, going from caudal to cranial and your needles facing forward, it's just going to rip through the bladder. So mm, cystos just be very, very, very careful if you're doing that, especially with a large obstructed bladder. Yep. Um, (laughs) I think you, you covered that one pretty good. It's the tip of the week. Um, my tip of the week this week, I think, is just study common urinalysis findings. I talked about this a little bit last week. Let's be real. <laughs> um, but just to kind of really get the sense of like common urinary diseases, what type of cells do you think you might see? I, I mean, I feel bad for the patient usually, but I enjoy seeing TCC just because I know what it is. And uh, like, it's just, um, they're pretty looking on slides. Let's be real. Like I'm being honest here. looks pretty interesting. It sucks for the patient, but also remember too, that like, if you see bacteria on like a sediment that you're doing kind of like a wet mount, you want to make a dry mount and make sure you can find like, I like to look for, um, intracellular bacteria Mm, within mm -hmm. the white cells. Um, it's a really good skill to have. So yeah, like you, and this too, that way it tells you too, if you're dealing with like contamination or if you're dealing with an actual 
infection within the urinary system too. Um, because if you're seeing just like mild to moderate cocci on your wet, your wet mount, um, and then you just go ahead and make a dry mount and stain it, and then you're seeing actually intracellular cocci within your white blood cells, that can kind of tell you that, okay, no, this, this wasn't contamination from the free catch. This was actual bacterial infection. Um, so I do think that that's pretty important too. And then just, again, kind of just re going over what cells you might see, like your uh, epithelial cells and things like that. Is it, it does, um, does the ClinPath website have urinary stuff as well? Oh, I'm certain it probably does. I will look into that. Because I know they have amazing other things. So. I'm sure that they do. We'll have to we'll have to look at that and then um put some links in our show notes because I I feel like I feel like I remember seeing stuff there when we were looking at all the hematology stuff. <laughs> probably yeah. I mean they have to. EClinPath is such a great website. Yeah. Like yeah. there's no way that they just stopped at blood. They're like, like yeah, we don't need to talk about urine. <laughs> yeah. Which is how I feel a lot of people feel, but I like urine. <laughs> like, that's because you're, you're in for a good time. That's because of hashtag I'm a nerd. And now for the question of the week. Question of the week this week is strictly just for our knowledge because of everything that we are trying to build right now. <laughs> and because of how I feel about urine. I was going to say, I believe like, this is, this is a Jordan very much so question. <laughs> well, you know, I've been, <laughs> these are my notes. Exactly. So yes, it is very much a me question. Would anybody in our amazing group of followers be interested in a urinalysis how to crash course just for basic urine cytology? Mind you, I definitely don't mind putting this together, but it would require me getting pictures of all the urinalyses that I do in like of my sediments and stuff like that. Um, I actually have a really good slide that I saved at work for learning purposes because I'm training someone in school right now. Um, and it was fantastic. There was rods, there was cocci, there was whites, there was castle. It was amazing. There was crystals. It was, it was like the perfect like learning <laughs> slide. Um, so if anybody's interested in that, just reply, yes, please. You don't have to say please. You can just say yes. <laughs> you can put a little hand um, up. You could just any, you know, any of that stuff for Jordan. She'll be happy with it. Or you could do the little emoji with the like crossed arms. If you're like, no, stay away <laughs> from urine cytologies. I'm not going to lie that so, that may be me. Yeah. You're like, just send it out. Just send it out. <laughs> and it's, it's, I mean, I get it. There are certain things that do change between sample collection and getting to the lab but i'm not that good so it'd be not so smart of me to do them would you be interested in a basic how to <laughs> i mean i know basic how to's i just <laughs> I, I just i don't do them enough to be good at them that's fair i get that Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. Answer the question of the week. Ask us your own questions if you'd like. I'm cool for, you know, a question of the week geared towards me. <laughs> She's like, yes. Um, <laughs> yep. But other than that, we had fun this episode. Um, and remember, if you are interested in joining a membership because we're getting ready. That's what I'm spending all my time on. So I have to put that in. If you're, if you're interested in it um, and you're listening to this in July, 2020, uh, go to IMFVT. So internal medicine for vet techs. So IMFVT.com 
and uh, there is a wait list there. So you can join the wait list. And as soon as the membership uh, opens up, you'll get all the information about it. Um, and uh, that'll get you kind of front row seats on how to get in. Uh, and then if you're listening to it in the future, don't worry, we'll make sure that that, that website directs you to where you need to go. Um, Cause uh, the, the real website is not live yet. So I don't want to, I don't want to put that information out there just yet for everyone, but it's, 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 it's coming. almost live. It's, it's, it's almost there it's, guys. <sighs> it's so close. I can, I can just taste it. Like, it's Oh, just right and there. speaking of, um, we'll be sending an email out to everyone about it as well, but, um, we will be switching from our courses platform that we do have right now, um, to a to a different platform so we'll get you all the information if you're already signed up but if if not just know that it may be changing pretty soon um so you know you're welcome to still sign up now for it's the going beyond uh the quick and dirty cross match course uh but in the future that's going to get moved and in the future it'll it'll be fine but for right now um there may be just a little bit of a transition so all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. We love that you guys enjoy listening to us. Mm. And we will talk at you guys next week. All right, guys. Have a wonderful week. Get your learn on. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.